everyone and welcome to the Talk Music Podcast, where we chat everything and anything related to the world of music and occasionally focus on topics a little bit unrelated. My name is Scott Kelly. I am a drummer turned comedy singer-songwriter and apparently now a podcaster. You're going to hear me chat to many different people, but more often than not, it will be fellow musicians having conversations about their careers and lives within, arguably, the greatest art form in the world. And you get this for free each and every week on scottkiwi.com, on Stitcher Radio, and now on iTunes. So please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, let them know what's going on over here. But for now, enjoy the show. This week in the podcast, Susan Bennett. You probably know her as the voice of Surrey. A fantastic few weeks we've had. Ron, our producer, please come this way towards the microphone if you could be so kind as I do this. We've interviewed recently the likes of Chris Jericho, George Clinton, Jacoby from Papa Roach, Bizarre from D12, and massive reaction last week to a great podcast with Kyle Gass from Tenacious D. Thanks to everybody who's continued to support this podcast. You guys have been brilliant. Continue doing what you're doing. Share, tweet, retweet, tell a friend, walk up to somebody in the street, punch them in the face and say, if you heard of Scott Cowie's podcast because you should listen to it and we should be friends. That's the type of thing you should be doing. Now, I want to get a, a bit of backup here as to what I'm about to say. Right. Now, Ron, our producer, Ron North, follow him on Twitter at North... What was it? Northie. Northie. N-O-R-F-E-E. Yes, N-O-R-F-E-E is the one. Because I just type in N-O and it already comes up every time I tweet about this podcast, which is available at scottcowie.com. That being said... This podcast includes an interview with Susan Bennett, as we said, the voice of Surrey. A lot of people have been asking me and thinking that I'm going to be interviewing a computer, and a lot of people think I'm just taking the mickey um, when I say that I've got Susan on or Surrey on, whatever way you want to, to look at it. But Susan is very humble. She's very, very nice. And Susan, thank you very much for joining me on, on the podcast. Um We've already recorded the interview, of course. We've just edited the interview. Or, sorry, let me rephrase that. Ron has edited the interview as I've sat talking rubbish in the corner. That's usually the way we work things. Yeah. Um, I did a shop run just there, you know, just to get out of the way as you did the proper work. But Susan is really, really humble, okay? And she plays down the fact that she's sorry. I would be telling everybody. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, everybody, check me. Would you be the same? I would be the same, yeah. I, I'd be I the same. Be. But the thing is as well... It's interesting because at one point she says this in the interview, right? And I want you guys, I just want the, the, the opinion of yourself to, to, to shine through here. And make your own minds up. But she said this, she said, Yeah, the thing is, I don't really sound like Surrey. She sounds exactly like Surrey. It is uncanny, as it should be, it's her voice. But you're just, I was just talking to Surrey all the way through. Yeah. It was just bizarre. And we've sat and edited it and we just continue to, to laugh in a really positive and caring and loving way. Mm-hmm. But um, that's it. That's the story. We interviewed Surrey. Uh, so that's about it, really. Uh, but now, love advice. Do you, do you, do you need love advice? Do you have a broken heart or pubic lies? Oh, oh, love advice. Thank you to everybody that's emailed in. 
uh, for some advice on the Love Audio column. We're going to get to the questions right now. I'm joined by my friend, fellow musician, singer-songwriter extraordinaire, Tony Etherson. How are we, Tony? Hello, I'm great, thanks. Thank you for joining me um, for help on this Love column advice. Um, it's been uh, it's been a fantastic thing for the podcast. A lot of people have been writing in and we've been saving a lot of life, so are you glad to be part of it? <laughs> of course I am. I am the Love Doctor. The love doctor, right? So okay. they call me anyway, you know. Okay, right. We're going to get right down to it, everybody. Here we go. Hi, Scott. Love the podcast. Interview with Jericho was awesome. Thanks very much. I'm a 34-year-old successful woman with a great job, nice body and lots of interests. I'm dating a few guys who seem to be attentive when we're together, but I feel like I'm the one who's always texting or calling to check in. It'll be nice to be courted a bit, but am I being old-fashioned? Is this the way men behave these days? I'm afraid if I don't keep things moving along, I'll end up alone. That's from Teresa, who's 34 years old. Tony, uh-huh. what are your thoughts on this? Teresa, I think you should stick to the old rules of treat them mean and keep them keen, to be fair. I think you should give it a wee um, rest of the texting and let them do the chasing for a while and um, see how it works out. Generally, it does work out, to be fair. Right, okay. So, Tony's advice there is to, to calm down on the texting uh-huh. and just... Play it cool. Play it cool, man. Like, just act like you don't even care and they'll be chasing you before you know it. And Tony knows what she's talking about because she's getting a lot of attention right now <laughs> because of the new music video that's out, which is called... Yeah, Turn Back to Love. Check it out on YouTube. I should have got that plug-in at the start there, but it was a good little link none- nonetheless. We'll talk a little bit more about it, but just now we've got some lives to be saving. We're going to move on, right? <laughs> so that's 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 one sorted out. Okay, yeah. so Teresa good is luck. 34 years old. Best of luck with that. Keep us updated. music at gmail.com. Email in for some advice and give us your updates as well. Um, again, for the first one that we done, it was just advice, and now it seems to be going down the, the road of, of love advice. So advice, love advice, you know, about, about whatever, right? Just email in and we'll help sort your problems. Anyway, yes, moving on. This is the email. Okay, here we go. Hi, Scott. I am a 45-year-old married man. I'm married to the most beautiful woman in the world. She's 42 years old, and after she was made redundant from her work three years ago, went on a mission to become a personal trainer. Obviously, to get fit and become a personal trainer, she had to employ her own trainer, which brings me to Sean. Sean is a good-looking 30-year-old man who we have become good friends with. We are both very close with him. My wife feels and looks so much better over the past three years since she has been on her health kick, but she is more distant from me. We don't go out and do things as much as we used to. Sean is a great guy and I've talked to him about it. I've told him that her new lease of life makes me feel slightly insecure and that I have even thought sometimes she might be seeing someone else. Sean assured me that I was just jumping to conclusions and that to keep my mind at rest, he would keep an eye on her if she was ever up to anything. Sean knows her better than anyone. They're always away on fitness seminars together all over Europe. They were in Paris. They were at one in Paris last week. They are even hard at training in the bedroom till all hours at night when I am down the stairs sleeping on the couch. So I am glad Sean is keeping... Uh, an eye on her for me. Uh, Anyway, should I talk to her about the distance in a relationship? Any tips? And that's from Dave. Dave, okay. (laughs) Um, Dave. 
Should you chat to her? Um, I maybe would actually. Yeah. Why is that, Tony? <laughs> I think that there's a few things that you just need to speak about. <laughs> you obviously aren't spending enough time together, you know. Um, and maybe you could accompany Sean and your wife on their next trip. <laughs> I don't know. Why would you suggest that? Maybe, maybe Sean's getting all of the attention. Could be that. I mean, I'm just guessing. But they seem to spend a lot of time together. You're referring to Sean and his wife? Yes, of course. Sorry, Sean and, and your wife, Dave, they're spending a lot of time together. What are you suggesting? I just think that... <laughs> I just feel like they're spending... I mean, I understand fitness is a lifestyle because I'm really into it myself. But I think that maybe you should, like, get involved <laughs> so that it's not just always your wife and Sean together. Um, yeah, but why would he want to get involved? Because obviously Sean and his wife are at the fitness thing, they're together uh-huh. doing that, and should he not allow them the, the spaces to go? Yeah, well, I mean, Sean's obviously a good guy looking out for the wife, you know, your wife, Dave, um, but at the same time... You are know, you suggesting perhaps that there's something going on between... I don't know, I just think he should maybe look a bit closer to home. Do you know, like, Dave, realistically, man, you know, um, maybe you should just look a bit closer to home. Are you suggesting that Sean and his <laughs> wife are up to something? Something might be going on there. I mean, to be fair, you know, they probably are just doing like their lunches and their squats and their like weightlifting, whatever they're doing in the bedroom. You just don't know, but you you could know if you went up there one time when they were there. I hope that helps, Dave. Tony's suggesting <laughs> that Sean and your wife are getting it on. No, that's not what happened. What happened? Yeah, I don't. Well, maybe. Okay, <laughs> Dave, Tony's suggesting there's a strong possibility that Sean and, and your wife are getting on while they're in Paris uh, and in all their other various different training seminars. Yeah, I think you need to you need to speak with them, both of them. Okay, right, <laughs> okay. Dear Scott, I am 50... That, we're moving on. Dear Scott, I am 50 years old. My family does not like my new boyfriend. They think he is goofy and refuse to have him around. They want me to come home home alone. I do not have the heart to tell him that he is not invited to my family's house because no one likes him. I am tired of making up excuses for why he is not included. If my family really got to know him, they would like him. He comes from a good family. He does not drink and believes in God. When I am with him, I feel good about myself. We like doing the same things and he makes me laugh. I have never been closer to anyone in my life. We supported each other when his father and mother passed away. My sister wanted to me to come clean out my mother's... My, sorry. My sister wanted me to come clean out my mother's things and she told me to leave my boyfriend home because no one likes him. <laughs> she doesn't care how I feel. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry, I shouldn't be laughing. Um, he was eager to help. I told him it was cancelled. What should I do, Tony? My goodness, it's a difficult one. Um, what should you do? Realistically, to be fair, you don't really want a boy coming in between you and your family. Maybe you could just like hang out with them out with the house, and then. <laughs> Like outside. <laughs> like outside. They could just I'm not I'm not promoting lying in any way. <laughs> but you could tell you could just tell you know, exaggerated truths to him so that he wasn't getting paranoid about not coming around, not being allowed in. 
Um, you could just pretend you weren't in Sundays and stuff. <laughs> like, I don't know. But she, I think the problem is she's caught in this web of lies already. Oh, she's already in the web of lies, right? Once you're in it, it's you start I think she just. Right, I'm sorry, Barney. I think she just tell the family. Listen, I like this guy. Right. Let's talk. If I'm your daughter and you love me and all that crap, uh-huh. then you should stick with me through thick and thin. Yeah. It's not like I'm committing crimes and it's not like I'm going out shooting folk. I happen to be dating someone that you don't like. Why don't you learn to deal with it? Yeah. And this guy's always like a guy who likes God and that, you know? So that's a strong selling point. Yeah, just um, give, the, give the guy a chance. Give him a what chance. Tony's saying. Yeah, yeah. that's that was like, yeah. Yeah, give the guy a chance, whatever. Um, <laughs> well, listen, just to clarify, we're going to go through the three that we've went through. Um, the First of all, Teresa, who's 34, um, calm down on the texting. Yeah, man. That, play it cool. Play it cool was, is the... the, the um, in front of Tony, Tony's suggesting that while she's texting, funnily enough. I was um, taking a selfie. The second one, which is the 45-year-old man with the, the Sean, Tony's suggesting that um, Sean is having an affair with your <laughs> wife, Dave. So um, maybe you should sneak in... To the bedroom. ...and take various pictures to yeah. try and get proof. Or contact Cheaters, the programme. There's a programme called Cheaters? Yeah. Should I know this? Uh, it's hilarious, basically. Just contact Cheaters and they, they will follow your wife and Sean. And then they will bust up on them when they least expect it with proof. Cheaters. It's called Cheaters. There we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a look at this program. When is it on? What is it on? It's on I'm, like, can you get um, it on the net? I'm assuming. Yeah, online. You can get it on like YouTube and stuff. You can also get it on normal TV. It's like Dave, the channel Dave is on. Right. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna have a look at that. You and should. Then, it's great. It's on Dave. So there you go, Dave. Yeah, oh, see what that's, that's, that's a little link there. Oh, see that? See, see that? that's a sign. That is a sign. From God, talking of God, yeah. this guy likes God, the last guy, <laughs> and the advice to him is well, it's not him, it's the woman that he's gone out with. Yeah. Tell your family they're a bunch of losers and to accept this guy that they can't stand. Yeah, deal with it, man. Deal yeah, with it. Split up with your family because at the end of the day, you only get one other <laughs> half. You can always replace your family. Exactly. That's the last piece of advice from Tony. <laughs> Excellent. We're going to go on to an interview with Surrey. How excited are I'm you to buzzing. hear? I cannot wait to speak with Surrey. Do you want to make a confession to the world? Mm, yeah, okay. I didn't know that Surrey was a real person. I thought it was a computer. Okay. Let's talk about this. When you... Not to think... I hope When you... Talk to your phone, for uh-huh. instance, I'll do it at the moment. Right, hold on. How is Surrey today? Let me check on that. It looks like the answer is about 3.91 US dollars. She's always totally accurate. Um, that That is not, like, the, the yeah. woman that I've sp- speaking to today, Susan, she's not sitting in her home answering that. Of course. That is a computer, and she is obviously... Um, you know, there's various. She's recorded it over time, uh-huh. all those different possible answers, and as you can tell there, she's always totally accurate with everything uh-huh. she says. Um, <laughs> but she is a, a person who's recorded those voiceovers. Tony mm-hmm. actually thought I was going to be talking to a computer of I some did. description. Yes. Okay, but we'll talk about that at a later date. <laughs> and we're also going to talk in a little bit more detail about Tony's video, her new single, everything Tony Etherson is coming up Yay. after we speak to 
Susan Bennett, my old friend from Apple. We're going to get right down to it. It's going to be a good one. Hey, Scott, how are you? I'm good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope you can understand my Scottish accent okay. Oh, absolutely. That's fine because it's 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 quite a, a, a joke on this neck of the woods that the voice of Surrey doesn't understand Scottish people, but no doubt we'll get to that. She <laughs> doesn't understand a lot of people. <laughs> Excellent. This is a music podcast and some people might be asking the question of how relevant you are being on a music podcast, but what they don't know uh, is that you're a musician. Yes, I started in this business as a singer and keyboard player and I've done a lot of uh, background vocals. In fact, I toured with Roy Orbison and Burt Backrack, and the Orbison tour took us to uh, Britain. So uh, Roy was uh, very, very big in Britain. What people probably don't know about him is that the Beatles used to open for him. So he was very, very big in the 60s, and I toured with him in the early 80s. It's absolutely incredible because making it, um, first of all, as um, as a musician to such a high level and obviously um, doing the voiceover stuff as well. I mean, we'll get to all of that, but uh, Roy Orbison, so how did you end up getting that gig? Well, he already had a group of people in place because he lived in Nashville. So, the, the uh, well, everyone in his band and, and backup vocals uh, entourage were from Nashville and they had a problem with their soprano uh, for, I don't remember exactly what all the details were, but they had to replace the soprano very quickly and they needed someone who could not only sing the part, had a passport. <laughs> and so one of the other background vocalists remembered me and uh, so they invited me to go on the tour. So my very first tour was in Bulgaria, uh, televised to 10 million people. So it was pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> was that quite a nerve wracking experience then? Well, uh, not really, not really, because I, you know, I had learned the part at that point, and uh, I really got along very well with the other background singers and with everyone in the band. So it was, it was a fun thing. Amazing. Now, before that, you were involved in a band in Berkeley School of Music. I read on the internet. Were you at the school itself? What, what was what's the deal there? No, actually, I went to school in Providence, Rhode Island, at Brown University, and. One, and another uh, musician friend of mine with whom I was in a band uh, for years before that, uh, John Klein, who became a professor at Berkeley School of Music. Uh, he was uh, he was attending Berkeley at the same time, or he was taking classes there, and he knew a lot of people there, and they were forming a, um, you know, kind of a jazz rock fusion type of band there, and he invited me to, to sing. And uh, so that's how I got involved with, with that band, um, and it was, what was that? It must have been very early 70s. Excellent. When I was still in college, yeah. Superb. Now, just to get the timeline correct, um, at what point uh, do you get involved with Burt Bacharach? Is this shortly after that? Was this before the Roy Orbison gig? It was afterwards. It was a, a number of years afterwards. Uh, we have a, a wonderful outdoor venue here in Atlanta called Chastain Park. And there are a lot of uh, concerts there. And he was starting his um, southern uh, tour, the southern part of America tour. And uh, he brought a small rhythm section with him, and he brought two vocalists. And then he got the rest of the, of the band and the singers from Atlanta. So I was invited to participate, and of course I said yes. <laughs> it was just a wonderful experience. 
Excellent. The, the, the kind of last question I've got on on the music front: Are you still involved in music at all? Do you go back and forth between that? Um, I I am still involved in music. I, music is really probably the the most key part of my entire life. I started playing keyboard by ear when I was like three or four years old, and have have played and listened to music constantly since then um i have a source of music in just about every room in the house so it's a very important thing to me um, my husband and i had a private event band for 25 years and before i reached a certain age i had told everyone in the band that i would love to sing continue to sing and play but i didn't want to be the administrator anymore and nobody else did either so that <laughs> that band kind of kind of fizzled out and so now my husband and I are playing in a band called Boomers Gone Wild, that, and we do nothing but 60s and 70s music, which is really, really fun. And uh, I do get to sing some background vocals occasionally, and my, my husband's also a composer, and so occasionally I get to do some uh, studio vocals uh, as well. So, But primarily at this point in time, I'm doing mostly voiceover. Excellent. But I, got into, I got into voiceover because of music as well. Because um, back in the 70s and 80s, you know, before technology was where it is today, um, nowadays, if you want background vocalists, mostly they'll just take one or two people and overdub. And at that point in time, they would have actual groups of people that would go into the studio and sing together. What a concept, huh? And, uh, and so we were doing a, a jingle that day, a commercial, and the voice talent didn't show up. So the owner of the studio said, well, Susan, you don't have an accent um, because many people in the South talk like this. They have a real thick accent. And uh, I did not have that. So he said, uh, come over here and read this copy. And I said, oh, I can do that. And a little light bulb went off and I got some voice coaching and got an agent and, and uh, went into some voiceover work. And you've been hugely successful at that. Um, you've worked with... I mean, so many major companies, Coca-Cola, McDonald's. What's the deal with Coca-Cola? How did that come about? Well, most of the, the large company companies that I've worked for in the past, you know, the voiceover, like everything else with technology, has really gone through a revolution. And how we used to get work in the past was so easy because it was basically always up to our agent. <laughs> the, the producer or director would go to the agent and say, oh, give me your, five, uh, your top five or ten people in this category, and then those people would audition. And you'd have a really good shot at, at, at winning the gig. So that's what happened. And also I was exclusive with the, uh, the top agency at the time, Atlanta Models of Talent, and they're still, they're still in existence. And uh, when you were exclusive with an agent, of course, they would push you above other other talent. And so that was a very, very uh, successful and busy, busy time for me. And as technology came about and everything just started to change, basically the Internet um, making the what I like to call the middleman, you know, any kind of agent, you know, it affected travel agents, any kind of agent kind of uh, had a tough time with the internet because a lot of people could just do all the research stuff on their own if they if they were so inclined. And so it really uh, revolutionized the business on top of the fact that when we do auditions now, we do them, you know, into our computer and, you know, either send them via email or upload them to an FTP site or something like that. And uh, so it's just totally revolutionized the business. Um, you know, I've, I've gotten... Uh, sidetracked here so I can hardly remember the, the original question. 
It was okay. I think I, I'm not too sure myself because I was enjoying listening to the whole process of the voiceover work because it's it's an area that I'm not really familiar with. But um, right. the big, big gig, of course, uh, the, the the Surrey gig, as it were. How how did that come about? You know, it's uh, very strange, but I do not know. Um, the Siri recordings, the original recordings that eventually became Siri, were done in 2005, which is only 10 years ago, but technologically speaking, it's in the dark ages. We really didn't have any idea what we were doing or where the where these voice where these recordings were going to end up. And what they were were recordings done for a text-to-speech company or a voice recognition company. We read hundreds and hundreds, possibly even thousands and thousands of phrases and sentences, hour upon hour upon hour, in the same tone, in the same pacing. And afterwards, the technicians would go into these recordings and extract sounds, put the sounds back together into other phrases and sentences. And these are the things that ended up on your devices. This is the stuff that became Siri. And we had absolutely no idea that this was happening. We, I, I basically thought that I was just recording stuff for, for phone messages. And uh, I was recording for a phone system. It's just that at that point in time, no one, well, Steve Jobs and a few other <laughs> Uber geeks um, knew where things were headed. But we really had no idea that our voices were going to be... Uh, to be end up on to end up on these millions and millions of devices, so it was a you know a case where you know real life didn't keep up with technology. <laughs> now, is it is it true that Apple didn't actually tell you um, that you were the voice uh, of of Siri, so to speak? How is it you found that out? I've, I've read kind of differing reports on that, and how you found out eventually that it was yourself. Well, Siri showed up on the iPhone 4S on October 4th, 2011. And on that day, a friend of mine, who is also a voice person, uh, emailed me and said, hey, we're playing around with this new iPhone. Isn't this you? And I said, what? (laughs) So I went on the Apple site and listened, and I said, yes, that's me. How surprising. (laughs) So um, Apple kind of came in after the fact. You know, the the people that, and, and so consequently, I don't know whether Apple chose my voice or whether the the man who created Siri, who was a Norwegian man named um, Dag Kitlaus, I don't know if he chose the voice when he created the app. Apple bought the app from him. So I don't know at, at which stage, you know, I became a part of it. But Apple was very closed mouth about all of the original series. And, uh, and we were all replaced, actually, with oh, the OS 7 system. So if you have anything newer than the OS 7 system, it's no longer my voice. Uh, either that or they've manipulated the voice to the point where it doesn't sound like me. Um, and, you know, I think all the other original series were replaced as well. And we all feel that it's because we, we didn't have a non-disclosure agreement. Corporations that use digital voices uh, really love the uh, anonymity factor. They don't really want people knowing. They don't want people associating a face and a name and a person with the voice. So 
Interesting. You mentioned anonymity there. That brings me on to a question that I've got from Facebook, actually, when I said that you were going to uh, be coming on the show. And it's from a, a frequent listener, Chloe Allison, who asked the following question. She says, as a person, you have a certain degree of an anonymity, um, yet you've got one of the most recognised voices out there. Have you ever been in a situation in which you've been recognised for your voice? Apart from, obviously, the thing that you just mentioned there. <laughs> No, and I think that's because, you know, for the most part, people don't really notice digital voices. And if you'll notice, my speaking voice really doesn't sound like Siri. I have to pitch it down here a bit to sound like Siri. To sound like Siri. Um, and so consequently, and it's also a question of context. People don't expect to hear the voice of Siri coming out of a person. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so, they, so I don't ever get recognized, you know, unless people have already met me or, or have have seen my my face somewhere. Right. Okay. I've I've got a funny feeling what the answer to this next question might be, but I take it you've not been back to update voiceovers over the years from that initial um, the, those initial sessions in, in two thousand and five. Have you they got you back in to kind of update voices or anything like that? I did some updates. I did several months of updates in 2011 and 2012. But at this point in time, I'm pretty much done with the text-to-speech voicing. Uh, it's very, very tedious work. Um, it does pay well, and it's fun in the sense that it's challenging because it, it has to be so incredibly consistent. Everything that you do has to be so consistent. But it is extremely tedious because a lot of these phrases and sentences, well, all of them were created solely to get all of the sound combinations in the language as opposed to the context. So a lot of times these phrases and sentences would have no meaning. You know, they <laughs> we'd be reading these nonsensical things just to get the sounds out there. And uh, so, so that was interesting. But uh, after having done it for so many years, I just got to the point uh, and that's one of the reasons that I revealed myself as Siri in, in 2013. I thought, well, you know, I think I'd like to break out of my booth and do something besides all of this, you know, technical recording. <laughs> Brilliant. Now, um, lastly, we're going to go back on the, the, the music. When's the next show? What have you got coming up with the, with the band, with your husband? Sunday. Sunday night. Wow. Yes. Yeah, we play in this little club in a little town called Dahlonega, Georgia, and we have this this big following. We we sell out every time, and and uh, of course it's uh, mostly baby boomers like ourselves who come along and and sing along with us and know all the words and and get up and dance, and it's it's really a lot of fun. <laughs> Excellent. Well, listen, Susan, thanks very much uh, for, for joining me today. That was very, very interesting indeed. And I'm glad to f oh, I'm glad to have found out that you were a musician. And it was only today, actually, when I looked into uh, it to detail and found out who you've done backing vocalist um, sessions for in the past. So, so that's brilliant. And um, thanks very much for joining me. And um, someday we're going to get to the bottom um, of the fact that Siri can't understand Scottish accents. I've got no idea why not. <laughs> Well, especially because I'm a, you know, Scottish ancestry. My maiden name is Cameron. Oh, wow. So, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I've got no... Don't feel bad because uh, Siri can't understand a lot of American accents either. Uh, you have to speak really clearly and without and, and very neutrally in order for her to understand everything. And I recently did a presentation in New York City about this very same thing. You have to speak differently to a computer than to a person because the computer can only base what they're hearing on what they've heard previously 
or sounds that they're expecting to hear. So, for instance, a friend of ours who has a very thick southern accent was trying to find directions to a, a city called Snellville, and he was calling, wow, I need the directions to Snellville. And so Siri kept saying, I cannot find Snailville. <laughs> and so finally I had to say, Jim, give me the phone. And I said, Siri, it's Snellville. <laughs> so, yeah. That was funny, actually, because somebody, somebody posted on Facebook, uh, a guy called Ross Grant, actually, asking if you've ever had a conversation with yourself. Well, that story certainly answers that question. Yes, and the very first time I spoke to her, she, she really had attitude with me. I said, uh, hi, Siri, what are you doing? And she said, very disgustedly said, I'm talking to you. <laughs> it's, it's funny because uh, Siri does seem to be very, very witty. So um, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's really, really interesting stuff. Um, but listen, Susan, thanks very much once again. Best of luck with the band and, and everything in the future. Great. Thanks so much. Fantastic interview there with Susan Surrey Bennett. Uh, and just to clarify, Tony's starting to doubt something. Um, yeah, I just don't know if these emails were real. They're 100% real. <laughs> and everybody, if you can continue, and Tony's obviously referring to the love column that we, that we um, read out verbatim at the start of the podcast. So if you're one of these scumbags that just skip to the actual interview with the person, go and listen to the intro. Because, you know, that's some great stuff there. We're, yes. we're, solving, we're solving a whole host of problems saving on a week-to-week -week basis. Saving lives on the love... We'll need to get an actual name for it. Mm -hmm. the, the love audio advice column. We need a short and snappy name. Yeah. That was your cue to come up oh, with something on the oh, spot. Oh, right, okay, no, I'm not very good with that right, pressure, we'll, we'll, pressure. We'll, we'll sort it out. Okay. <laughs> um, they're all real, and you guys can email in music at gmail.com, and on air we will sort your problems on a week-to-week -week basis. We mentioned that earlier, we're going to talk about it right now. Tony has got a new video on YouTube right I now. Do. Tell us about it. Uh, the video is called, uh, for my single, sorry, which is called Turn Back to Love. Um, it was released yesterday. It's been doing really well so far, actually. Um, so it's available on YouTube. Um, Music Crowns have shared it as well, which seems to be doing really well on there. Um, and yeah, the single's available on iTunes now for download. Um, the video itself's been a long time in the making, so it's just a nice relief to have it out and all the kind words that are being shared now about it is really good. It's cool. It's a yeah. really, really good video. Thanks. And I noticed something, one of the many destinations of the video. Yeah. The hill. We did go to the hill, yeah. I noticed that. I thought, that's a place that yeah. your aunt uh -huh. owns. Yeah, she's one of them. There's a few, a bunch of them own it. Right, uh, the hill on Byers Road. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the many places. So if you're from Glasgow and you like all things Glasgow, you can you can check it out. Because there's another, there's a bunch of different places in Glasgow, obviously, cited in the video, which is great. Yeah. Uh, there's, you're under a fountain as well at some point. Uh, yeah, a waterfall. <laughs> waterfall thing. Um, that was in Trun. We found we went to the beach one day and it was actually roasting and we just chilled by the waterfall. <laughs> there's a waterfall there. My manager nearly broke his leg on these big rocks in the sea. But yeah, it was a fun time. Great, and check out the video because it's real good quality and it's from... I would, I'm, I'm assuming that this song is going to be on the forthcoming album. Yeah, this is like the first single... Um, essentially from the debut album um, just testing the water really to see how people receive the direction that we've taken with the production and stuff and um, the music's really developed of course for me just being an acoustic artist for all these years people have an idea in their head that 
I think they thought that's what the album would be, an acoustic album. But um, it's more of a, it's got more of a sort of country, sort of soul, um, pop feel to it. So it's been received amazingly, which is great because sometimes it can be difficult for people to hear you in a new light when they've been so used to hearing just me and guitar. And this is almost like a full band sort of really produced song. So um, not overproduced, but it's got more instruments than just me and a guitar. But people are loving it, which is great. And the video obviously backs that up. It makes it a wee bit easier for them to introduce the change. Because um, it's almost a wee bit of a journey, really, for anyone that's followed me to date. So uh, it's been the feedback's been amazing. I'm, I'm chuffed. I can't wait to put the album out, really. She sells it really well, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, doesn't she? Now, um, and the single, who played on it? Because the plane's great on it. As, as um, well. Yeah, well, Danny P, funnily enough. Danny P, who um, was the videographer and who I've also collaborated with. He is a house DJ, like he creates EDM tracks. Um, so I feature on his first single. He's a producer and he does videography, as you'll see really well. Um, he also played the guitar, like the kind of little electric guitar riffs. He came up with that. So he played that on the single. Um, the Obviously the lead guitar was myself and vocal and I'd done all the harmonies. Um, and then we had um, a se two session musicians came in for the keys and the bass. And then my manager, actually, who's a drummer, he played the drums on it. So Check it out, everybody. I it's know. on YouTube. Tony Etherson. Just watch all the videos. There's some good stuff there. It is. Songs from the forthcoming album. You guys need to check it out. She's on iTunes. Um, Facebook, Twitter, very active on there. So go and follow her, like her, and all that mother jazz. But make that your second port of call. Make your first port of call scottcowie.com. Yes. Follow me on Twitter, SKWE Music, at SKWE Music. Go to Facebook, like me, share me, do what you've got to do. Keep spreading the word about this podcast because it's grown on a week-to-week -week basis. ScottCowie.com is a central place that holds SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, all the places that this is available. Make sure you download it on your phone. You've done that, haven't you? I do have it, yeah. You go get the podcast app, click on that subscribe button so you can get this for free each and every week in your mobile device, be it an iPhone, iPod, iPad, whatever it may be. Yeah. Thank you very much. We will see you guys next week. Very exciting guest. We're going to tell you who it is right now for the sake of it. Let's do it. Greg Howe, who plays the guitar with everybody from Justin Timberlake to Michael Jackson. Amazing. This guy's got some amazing stories. Not only is it a must listen, it's a can't miss. Exactly. ScottCowie.com. See you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>